Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As police officers are canvassing a crime scene, did their body cameras actually pick up proof of life after death? And then we travel back to the year 1936 to join a Russian civilian transport vessel as it is crossing the Pacific Ocean. When a mysterious alien ship rises out of the water, five sailors are sent out to investigate it, and only two live to tell the tale today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I sincerely hope you are having a great day too. Hope everything is working out for you. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, we got to introduce one of our newest Patreon supporters. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give a round of applause for Aria. Woo! Come on in, Aria. Aria, thank you so much for supporting the show. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Trust me, I get it. Just help spread the word about the show. That really helps out a lot. It really, really does. Aria, let's go ahead and get started here. I'm going to toss you a shovel, and we're going to start throwing coal into the Carpenter Caboose, our railway system. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to Colorado. Aria has on a little engineer's outfit. August 13th, 2018, in Frederick, Colorado, there was a family there. They were the Watts family. This is a very, very famous true crime story. We actually covered it before on the podcast. We got new information, though. But I want to give you a brief overview if you didn't hear that or if you're not aware of the story. Chris Watts had a wife. Her name was Shanann. And they had two daughters, Bella, who was five, and Cece, who was three. And Shanann was pregnant as well at this time. And they go missing. And Shanann's best friend is trying to get a hold of Shanann, can't, calls the police, and the police show up. Now, there is a phenomenally good documentary that Netflix put out. I think it's one of the, I think it's the best true crime documentary, and I watch a ton of this stuff. It's called American Murder, The Family Next Door. And the entire documentary is police body cam footage, it's neighbors, ring cameras that are recording in the neighborhood, Facebook videos of the family. Everything was already created before the documentary. They just edited it all together. And you watch from day one this investigation starting with the police officers showing up with their body cam footage. Amazing, amazing true crime documentary. What happened is Chris Watts killed his entire family. He killed Shanann, strangled her. He says that they were having a fight. And then both of his daughters are killed as well, Bella and Cece. Now, he said, oh, my wife, I came home from work and my wife had killed the daughter, so I killed my wife and totally freaked out. Nobody buys that. (laughs) Nobody believes that. He murdered his entire family. He was having an affair. He was having multiple affairs from what I heard. And he tries to get away with this. He tries to get away with this. He's eventually caught. Now, there's two things that I want to talk about 
vis-a-vis Chris Watts. One of them we talked about before on the show, but it's so intriguing, and there's new information with this. I feel like we gotta re- we got to cover it again. I did an episode a long time ago about this and about this documentary, and because we're watching the footage in real time, basically, the police officer who's on the scene investigating this disappearance learns that the next-door neighbor to Chris Watts, we'll just call him Joe, I don't remember his exact name, Joe has video cameras facing Chris Watts' driveway because someone was breaking into Joe's car and he was trying to catch him. But this camera also happened to be facing Chris Watts' driveway. So the police officer and Chris go over to the neighbor's house, and as the neighbor is clicking through options on his remote control to find the recorded footage the police officer wants to see, an ad pops up for American Horror Story. And in this ad, it shows these images. It shows a fetus in some sort of, like, hourglass. Shanann was pregnant when he murdered her. And then it shows a human skull dripping with oil. Now, there's other imagery, too, like a nuclear bomb and stuff like that. He didn't nuke anybody. But those two images are so striking. And he knows where he dropped these bodies off. And what's interesting is he looks at the video. The, the video is so intriguing that you, you as a viewer are looking at it. And again, none of this was planned. This was all live body cam footage. As Chris Watts is watching the commercial for American Horror Story, and they show the fetus in the hourglass, he turns to the cop and says, Shanann was pregnant. Like, this commercial is so impactful to him, it's the first time he's mentioning to the police that his missing wife is also pregnant. And I talked about it before on the episode, that what synchronicity, right? Like, how bizarre is that, that we get to see this commercial and this plays a part in the crime? Well, new information has come forward. It's new to me, at least, but this is really, really grim. It turns out that I was watching, like, a Dr. Phil interview with Shanann's parents, It turns out that, yes, the two daughters, Bella and Cece, were thrown into the oil drum. And when the rescuers, or the body retrieval team, was trying to get them out, their skin fell off. And that even lines up even closer to that commercial. This commercial that showed the oil and then the skull. The oil was such a toxic mixture on these young bodies, their skin fell off. So I'm sorry if you're eating fajitas right now. But yeah, absolutely disgusting detail. And I wanted to share that with you because it's another side of the synchronicity of that ad. And it was caught at just that right moment. But that's not... I didn't want to just ruin your day by telling you that detail again. There's been a lot of people looking into this Chris Watts body cam footage as the police are first showing up to his house and then coming back with cadaver dogs trying to figure out what happened. The, this video footage caught so many EVPs. It's so creepy. I got this all linked in the show notes. Then there's a ton of them, actually. We're only going to cover a few of them. But one of the first things is when the officer walks into the house, this body cam footage. I watched this scene over and over and over again. Could be a glitch in the camera with digital cameras when things move, but other things are stable, like a background. It can cause ar- artifact glitching. But when the officer first walks in to the house, it looks like a little girl's running down the stairs. And you rewind it, and then it looks like a little girl's running down the stairs. It's so creepy. It could be a glitch, 
Could be the artifacts appearing, the digital artifacts, but they're appearing in the form of a little girl running down the stairs. The officer on the scene doesn't make mention of it. They don't go, there she is! Because it's a ghost. It's just getting picked up on camera. Or again, if it's a glitch, then obviously her eyes aren't glitching out. The officer's eyes aren't glitching out. And when you... I'll put the I'll put the video in the show notes. If you look through the comments, people have time-stamped all of these EVPs. There's probably at least, I don't know, 15, 20 of them. Let me play a couple of these for you right now. Now, the trick with EVPs, right, is once someone says what they are, it becomes much more clear. But this EVP, apparently, is someone saying, I'm with Cece. I'm with Cece. which would have been the name of the girl. Here's the thing, though. With EVPs, you have to have a very sterile recording environment. Now, normally, when a ghost hunter knows what they're doing, they walk in a location and they go, is anyone in here? And then there's dead quiet, and then you pick up an EVP. Bad ghost hunters, and I see these guys all the time, they go, is anyone in here? Hello? Is anyone in here? And they'll just keep talking, and then they might pick up something in the background. Don't do that. Don't do that. You need to have a sterile recording environment. In this house, there's a bunch of cops tromping through it. And there's a dog in the house. So you don't know. The EVP, you could say, maybe it's saying I'm a CC. Maybe it's saying something else. It could be a police officer's radio going off downstairs. Fair. But this next clip I'm going to play for you. The officers in the room hear it. Let me set this up for you. What you have is you have the officer with her body cam on and then you have someone coming in with a canine unit and they're sniffing around to see if they can pick up anything so they are walking around what looks to be the master bedroom they're walking into a closet shenan's closet because one side is nothing but purses the other side is nothing but shoes this is just like the accessories closet and this is what happens these are the shoes that she took the scent off of okay Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What in the world is that? Wow. Go in there and step on that little blue thing and see if that's where that noise came from. Yeah, it sounded like a kid <laughs> toy. <laughs> it might. It sort of sounded like it. Something. There was a. I heard oh, it. That one. Did you hear it? I did. Sounded like a kid giggling or something, 
I heard it. I definitely heard the same thing you did. It freaks them out. It freaks them out. They clearly hear a child laughing. And the officer with the dog, it might be a volunteer, search, search and rescue person, but that person is like, uh, I'm getting out of here. And they leave the closet and they ask the officer, can you find out what made that noise? This was something they could hear. And the officer walks in and starts kind of flipping stuff over with her flashlight. And the voice never comes back. You know, it's possible it's a kid's toy that the dog stepped on, but they were not able to replicate it. And you could tell it creeped them out. They were in the room, and they heard that girl laugh in that closet. Well, there's plenty of first in here. Yes. video goes on for another two hours. I'm sure they're like, ah, oh, maybe we'll let some other cops investigate this. Or maybe he's innocent. Let's just leave. We don't need evidence from this haunted house. There's a ton of EVPs on this, but those are my two... <laughs> out of all the voices of the dead, those are my two favorite. And then the little girl running down the stairs. When you go to these YouTube videos, you'll see a timestamps for all the other EVPs if you want to click around. I recommend it. I think that there's some really good, arguably real EVPs here. Some of it could be glitches. Some of it could be officers walking around. That could have been a toy because it does sound like a toy, but they weren't able to replicate it. And that's kind of key. So Chris Watts, you scumbag, you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. I'm sure in 20 years, you'll probably get let out by some idiot judge. But for right now, you're in prison. You should stay there for the rest of your life. Horrible, horrible crime. And this could really be some EVP evidence, some proof. Check it out. Again, if if you aren't too scared, check it out. And also, I really recommend watching that documentary. It's just a, such a well-done true crime story. It sucks that this family died, obviously. I'm not saying at least we got a good documentary out of it. But yeah, it is really, really well done. Aria, let's go ahead and I'm going to toss you the keys to the carbon copter. We're going to leave behind this house and hopefully their spirits have found a home. Actually, I should mention this too. In the realm of the paranormal, in that Dr. Phil interview, which will also be in the show notes, Shanann's mom said that uh, they're, they're, they, the spirits have visited her. Her daughter's spirit visited her after the body was found and being like, don't worry about me, mom. Everything is okay. And she says she's been visited by her granddaughters as well. So that's also an interesting, it's heartbreaking, really, you know, watching this family mourn. But the mom's like, yeah, their spirits are out there and they're at peace. So that is at least some solace. Aria, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Frederick, Colorado. We're headed all the way out to the middle. Of the Pacific Ocean. The year is 1936. It's a bright, sunny day. And below us, there is a Russian civilian transport vessel called Maria making its way across the Pacific Ocean. Dude's blowing the horn, and then the captain's like standing on the bow, and he's like, Keep going this way, guys. Keep going straight. And then the boat's going. There's a watchman. He's actually doing his job. He's watching stuff, and he goes, Captain, Captain, there's something in the water, sir. And the captain runs over, and he's looking out the boat, and all the seamen are like, what, huh, what's going on? There's something floating in the water. <laughs> it's a boat, right? You would just assume it's a boat. And it is kind of a boat, but they're looking at this weird 
vessel just floating there. They can only see like the top of it. The captain orders the radio man, try to send out a signal, see if we can talk to this boat, see if they, see if they need any help. They get no answer. And the captain's looking out of this thing. It's so mysterious, right? He orders five of his crewmen to get in a little rowboat and figure out what that is. Because maybe it is a vessel that's tipped over, right? Maybe they can rescue some people. So there's this little rowboat going out there. These five men. They pull up alongside this thing. Whatever it is. They, can, they can't really even describe it. And the dudes climb on board. And the captain's just looking at these five guys just kind of shrugging their shoulders. They're like, it's... Like, there's no entry point. Like, we're just going to kind of walk around on this thing for a bit. And then, you know, we'll get back on the rowboat. And then it begins to move. Now, it would be one thing if it was moving towards the boat. That would be cool because then they could all get on top of this party barge. But it's moving away from the Maria. And the captain's like, follow that thing. And then the Maria's coming after it. But still, this little vessel, this upside down vessel, is cutting waves. And then out of nowhere, a fog bank appears. And it completely swallows up the vessel. And the five men standing on top of it. And the Maria plows through the fog bank as well. And when it comes out on the other side, the ocean is empty. No sign of the vessel. No sign of the men. The Maria continues to search the area for hours. They're trying to find any trace of this thing. And in the end, they can't. There's just nothing there. And then the captain reluctantly says, well, we got to continue our journey. We don't know what that was. We lost five crewmen. We'll have to notify their families, but we have a job to do. So the Maria leaves the area, continues on its route. But as it's headed back to Russia, the captain goes, you know, I know this is a little out of the way, this trip back. Let's go back to where we lost those men. Let's see what's over in that area. So the Maria is headed back to this location and they see a boat. But What's interesting about the story is there's not a lot of descriptors for things that should be described. Like like the weird vessel floating in the water. They just say it looks like something in the water. It looks like something that came up out of the water. And this, this description, too, it keeps being described as a strange boat, the likes of which had never been seen before. So if you can picture that, if you can picture a boat unlike any human has ever pictured a boat before, that's what is now floating in this water. It's completely transparent. And inside of it are three of the sailors. They're like waving. Hey, over here. Over here, Maria. It's us. It's the three sailors that you left. You left. And the captain orders the Maria to go over there. They got to rescue these guys. And as the Maria is getting closer and everyone on board is watching this thing, other than the guy steering the ship, they see one of the dudes on the boat. We're going to name these guys Tommy, Walter, and Jones. And as the Maria is getting closer to a boat you've never seen before, they see Tommy start like freaking out. He's like, uh, uh, and he's like looking from side to side and up and down. He's kind of jumping and stuff like that. They're like, did he get bit by a bunch of fleas? What's going on? He's totally freaking out. And you see Walter and Jones being like, hey, dude, calm down. And Tommy just starts screaming at the top of his lungs, screaming. And he's looking out and he sees the Maria getting closer and closer and he's just losing it. And he jumps off the boat 
and dives deep into the water. Walter and Walter and Jones are just kind of shrugging their shoulders. They're like, yeah, your guess is as good as ours. Just get us out of this strange boat. We have a story to tell you. Now, Maria pulls up to the strange boat. They get Walter and Jones off of it, and they're sitting there with blankets on them, drinking hot cocoa. And the captain is like, what in the world is going on here? The captain walks over to these two men, and he gives these orders. One, we want that weird boat. Drop some ropes and hooks, latch it to us, we're taking that back home because we've never seen anything like this before. Two, I want a team to be searching for Tommy. Keep your eyes on the water. Once he comes back to the surface, bring him up as well. I don't care how crazy he is, he's one of my men. And then three, he looks at Walter and Jones and he goes, what in the world is going on here? Walter goes, this is what happened. We got onto the boat. And the next thing we know... We're surrounded by these weird-looking humanoids. They were wearing these dark, shiny suits. And they looked like frogmen. They keep using the word frogmen. Now, frogmen is a term for people who dive in the water. Like people in scuba suits, that was an old slang term for them. They were frogmen because they had the webbed feet and it was the black like scuba suit. And so they describe him, we get on this boat and we're surrounded by these humanoids that were wearing these black shiny suits. They looked like quote-unquote frogmen, but then they immediately clarify it. Oh, <laughs> they also had webbed hands and webbed feet. So I don't know if they were wearing these frogmen-like suits and had normal human heads or had the heads of frogs. <laughs> Again, the story leaves out some weird descriptors. But... We'll assume they're frog people just because that's the funniest visual. He goes, we're surrounded by these frogmen. And they all kind of look at each other. And then look at us. And then they look at each other a little bit more. And, and Walter goes, I got the implication they were talking via telepathy. And then after a period of time of just silence, we're on this boat. And it's interesting because he never talks about disappearing into the fog or anything like that. It's almost like once they got into the boat, they were in a totally different world. Because they never talk about, yeah, we saw you guys sail away. He goes, we got on the ship. All five of us were surrounded by these frogmen. They're talking to each other silently. And then one of them turns to us and goes, well, uh, welcome to this, to this place. Uh, I'm actually kind of sorry that you're here because you're stuck. There's no way to leave where you're at right now. So you should just stay with us. Just voluntarily say you want to stay with us. Everything will be okay. And at that point, two of the sailors stepped forward and said, Okay, we'll stay. These guys did not, these guys did not have to be offered any sort of bribe or anything. They're just like, oh, a new place to live? I hate living on that boat. I'm in. They are separated from Tommy, Walter, and Jones. And Walter goes, we never saw them again. We, we don't know where they went. They just walked away and then they're gone. The three of us who did not say, yeah, we'll definitely go wherever you want, uh, mysterious frogmen, we were locked in a cell. We were put in this room with no windows, and we were there for, I don't know how long we were there for, a couple days, two days, three days, I don't know. And we're sitting in this room, and the frogmen brought us a box of tablets, and they set the tablets down, and these tablets were food. But not just any kind of food. This was like a superfood. If you ate one or two of them, you weren't hungry 
for long, long periods of time. This would be like, as far as sailors are concerned, this would be the best food. You'd eat it and then you could go about the rest of your day and not have to worry about eating. Again, you would be completely satiated. But Tommy didn't want to eat any of the tablets. Now, now I have my fair share of them. Oh, nom, 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 nom. He's eating them all. He's like, I'll never be hungry again. Me and Jones were eating these tablets, but Tommy was freaking out already. He was like, I don't want to eat the tablets. We're like, dude, just eat a tablet. You won't be hungry. Maybe you're just hangry. No, he won't eat the tablets. He refused to eat them. So we're in there for a couple days. <laughs> Tommy's constantly complaining, oh, I'm so hungry. If only I had something to eat. As the other two guys are like eating these tablets and they're just like arm wrestling, hanging out. They're in there for a couple days. And then they're in the boat. The strange-looking boat floating through the middle of the ocean. The, he, Walter goes, I have no idea how we got there. We're sitting in the cell. Tommy's complaining about being hungry. We're in there for God knows how long. The next thing we know, we're floating in a boat no one can describe that's see-through. And it's me, Tommy, and Jones and a box of tablets. And Captain's like, so you don't remember like getting put in the cell or being taken out of the cell? No, we don't remember it at all. We got onto the boat. The frogman showed up. We're in the cell. We're in the boat. We don't know what happened in between. Now, as this is going on, the captain's men are still trying to hoist up this see-through vessel. And they can't. There's no way to put their hooks on it. It's almost like there's no hard corners. So they're throwing down ropes. They're trying to tie stuff around it. They can't. And the guys who are looking for Tommy are like, mm-mm. They've been telling the story this whole time. There is no sign of Tommy anywhere. He jumped into the water. We're not even seeing his body. He jumped in the water and he's done. Captain turns back to Walter and Jones to hear the rest of their story. Walter goes, we're in this boat again for who knows how long. We're floating in it for a couple days. And Tommy is losing his mind. The whole time. Now, here's the thing. Being, being adrift in the ocean must be super stressful, but it's a lot more stressful when someone is freaking out. He wouldn't sleep. He wouldn't eat. He's not eating the tablets. The sun's beating down on us. Me and Jones, we're just trying to relax, right? We got full bellies. But this dude's freaking out. And we know we could be in this ocean forever, right? We don't know if anyone's ever going to come back to find us. Thank you, Captain, by the way, but... We don't know if anyone's going to come back to find us, but as long as we have this box of tablets and keep a clear head about us, everything should be fine. Well, like I said, we're floating in this boat for a couple days, and one morning me and Jones wake up from a very relaxed sleep. Totally, our tummies are full. We wake up. Tommy has been awake this entire time. He's not sleeping. And the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I want to eat one of my alien tablets. The box was gone. Tommy, in the middle of the night, threw the box of alien food overboard. And now, <laughs> Walter Jones is like, okay, this might not end well, because now we have no food. We're floating through the water in this weirdo ship. We have no food, and this guy's obviously nuts. And so we were out there for one more day. And we weren't hungry. The tablet still worked. But we were out there for one more day, and then we see you show up. And Tommy loses it, like he has been this entire time, jumps overboard. The captain, the crew, they don't know what to do with this story. I mean, obviously, Walter and Jones experienced something. They, they did go missing. There's proof of this boat right off the side of the Maria. 
Unlike a lot of UFO stories, everyone involved in this could just, if they go, I don't believe that, they can just look over the edge of the boat and see something that has never been built in human history. They can't even describe it. And be like, okay, maybe, maybe this UFO story is real. But the captain's men cannot secure this boat. And this may be where we get a little bit of description of what this boat looked like because there was the reason why they weren't able to bring it on board or at least have, you know, tow it. It had no place on the ship to attach hooks. It wasn't that they just kind of gave up that they got lazy. There was no place on this transparent boat like vehicle to hook. So does that mean there were no right angles? Was it constantly curved? Who knows? I mean, again, descriptors are everything, but this was such a unique shape. There was no place to attach hooks or ropes or anything to. It was that bizarre looking. And even though it would be ultimate evidence that this actually happened, the captain does have to, they, they don't have unlimited food, right? They have to leave the area. Which, you know, the box of tablets would have been amazing, right? Tommy, <laughs> Tommy threw him overboard. The captain orders the Maria to leave the area. We got two of the sailors that we lost. And as they're leaving, that transparent boat begins to sink and then disappears underneath the ocean waves. 1936, Soviet Russia is where they're at. The USSR. And they go back and they tell this story. Now, we've talked a lot about Soviet Russia on this show. There's a ton of UFO stories that came out of Russia at this time that never reached the West. This is all new to so many Western UFO researchers. The KGB hates these stories. They they were constantly investigating these things. It's not like the CIA. Like, they had an, a, a necessary interest in that because they didn't know if it was Russian or other some sort of other foreign adversaries. But other than every so often the men in black coming out to your location saying, don't tell anyone else about this story, the CIA seemed to kind of keep a hands-off to it. They wanted to know it, but then they kind of let you go. The KGB, they're constantly torturing people to get these stories from people. If you witnessed a UFO account in the Soviet Union, you didn't talk about it. We've covered that before on the show as well. People are like, oh, just keep your mouth shut. It's not worth this getting out. So the two sailors and the captain are interrogated. When this story gets out, when they get back home, the one late one sailor is labeled psychotic. The other one just said, I'm not even going to cooperate anymore. I'm done telling the story. I've had my testicles stepped on too many times this day, officer. So I'm done. And the captain actually stood by the story. The captain goes, listen, this happened. There was tons of witnesses. And he repeated it. He said, this actually happened. But at one point, he was, quote unquote, forced to retract his statement which again, I think that was a physical force. Over time, he started saying, oh, maybe some of the details aren't right. And then as time kept going on, he started saying that nah, never happened. It was all made up. And he ended up being transferred to another ship. Truly a bizarre alien story. Ships on the high seas. There's always been rumors. We have UFOs, unidentified flying objects, of USOs, unidentified submerged objects. There's a lot of tales of ufos flying into the ocean or coming out of the ocean so as far as the lore goes a lot of this stuff makes sense what i find so fascinating i really love this story i think everything's fascinating about it tommy and his antics the food the pills that you can eat one or two and you stop being hungry but the two sailors who said yeah we'll stay with you and they're never seen again 
We cover so many UFO stories where the aliens offer humans the opportunity to stay with them. And every story we've covered, the humans say no. All of them. Sometimes humans have gotten on ships and flown back to the alien planet. But even then, when the alien goes, we want you to stay with us. When the human says no, we hear the story. I've never come across a story where a human says yes, and we hear the story. The reason why is because he's on another planet or in another dimension or who knows where. The men who said yes, they disappeared off the face of the earth. No one ever saw them again. And so many alien encounters where aliens offer, would you like to come with us? The people say, no, the aliens leave. What if, I don't want to be insensitive because people do have missing loved ones, but putting on our conspiracy cap, what if people who go missing say yes? It's that simple. And I'm not talking about like a custody dispute between a mom and a dad and the mom kidnapping the kid and taking him across state lines and stuff like that. I don't think the FBI is going to tell the dad, hey, sorry, but maybe they just maybe they just said yes to some visiting aliens. Obviously, people go missing for real reasons and very tragic reasons, kidnapping, sex trafficking, stuff like that. That happens. Or the mob kills them. You never find the body. But I'm talking about the mysterious disappearances. The ones where people just walk around a corner and they're never seen again. What if they are given this opportunity and an alien goes, do you want to stay with us? And they say yes. And they're never seen again. It's interesting because that may explain some of these missing people. Especially when you look at stuff like Missing 411 where people just vanish like they're walking around a corner. What happened here is these five sailors get on this vessel and their reality becomes different than ours. They don't mention the fog. They don't mention the Maria trying to catch up to them. They say, we got on it and then these dudes showed up. So the next time someone goes missing in your neighborhood... And you see people like putting up flyers and stuff like that. You help. I'm not saying don't help. Don't tear the flyers down. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's ever done that. I wonder if anyone who's not a suspect in a crime has walked around a town removing missing people's flyers. They're like, ah, don't litter in my neighborhood. You're tearing them off telephone poles. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying don't actively work against the investigation. But maybe, just maybe... That person who went missing in your area wanted to disappear. Maybe things weren't working out for them and they were jogging home. And then an alien popped out of the bushes and said, Hey, we like the way you run. How would you like to come back to our home planet and run? <laughs> That'd be super threatening, right? I hope you're a good runner. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, maybe it would put a little bit of peace in your heart. That when someone goes missing, not someone you love... Just some person that you don't know that you read an article about. Because if it's someone you love, then this is super insensitive. But imagine it's someone goes missing and you read about it in the newspaper. You're like, oh, I'm sure they're in a better place. I'm sure that no one will ever find them as you're sitting there in your break room at work. And they're like, uh, what do you mean they're in a better place? No one will find them. And you go there with space aliens. You might have just made yourself a number one suspect in the disappearance. Or you might be onto something. Because really, when it comes down to disappearances... We see this a lot. Aliens asking for permission to take them. When you look at alien lore, they're constantly asking people to go home with them. And every story that we've covered, the person says no. They may fly around the spaceship, but when the aliens ask for them to permanently stay with them, 
the person says no and we hear the story. Which means that there's a ton of stories where the person says yes. And they do go with the aliens. So using science, you have to assume that a proportionate amount of people said yes. And they didn't die. They didn't get murdered. They didn't get lost in the canyon and never find their way out. They went to space. They went on an adventure that almost no humans will ever have. It's very interesting because for the first time we have an account of people watching other abductees say, yes, I want to go with you. Because normally we don't even get that. Normally either a person is never seen again or a person said, no, I don't want to stay with you. This, as far as I can tell, is the first story where we have somebody witnessing someone else saying, yes, I want to go with you. And true to the alien's word, they did leave with the aliens. They were never, ever seen again. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.